The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Good morning. Welcome to Coastal. You go ahead and make your way back to your seat and have a seat. Great to see everybody today. Good morning and welcome. Um, I'm so glad that you're here, either live in person, uh, this is where all the fun is at, uh, or online, watching us online. Scott said, we have a lot of different ways for people uh, to be watching us online. However you're watching us, we're glad that you've joined us. I'm Pastor Chris, and uh, we are in week three of this series called Daring Faith. The key to miracles. And it so far has been a great, great kickoff to the series. We got hundreds, literally hundreds of people uh, in life groups, more people than we've ever had before. We have hundreds of people that are fasting. And that's why you all look so miserable and terrible this morning, because you've been fasting, whatever it is. No, no caffeine, no sugar, whatever. Now, I've been hearing some awesome stories from people, uh, just what God's been doing in your life through the devotional time, the fasting, prayer, groups. It's just been a great, uh, great kickoff. And uh, today, um, we are going to keep challenging you, as we've been doing in this series, to grow in your faith, to take those next steps, whatever they might be for you. And today, what I want to talk about uh, is challenging you to dare to give God your very best. Somebody once said that the greatest tragedy in life uh, is not to die, it's not death, but it's living without purpose, living without purpose. In other words, the great tragedy is a wasted life. And so here at Coastal, we are committed to helping you live your life on purpose. I don't want you to settle. Okay, I'll just say it. I don't want you to settle. Whatever that is in life for you, I don't want you to settle in in relationships, in, in God's plan for your life. I want you to win the race that God has laid out before you. I want you to be the very best that you can be to the glory of God. I don't want you to waste your life. Not at all. So the Bible says that there's actually three different people that we can learn a lot about life and faith and being the very best you can be from. And there might be people that you might not have thought about before, okay? A soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. So follow along as I read from 2 Timothy chapter 2. Listen to this. Endure suffering along with me, As a good soldier, there it is, a soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Think about what I'm saying. The Lord will help you understand all these things. So first of all, the Apostle Paul talks about uh, looking at the military. He says, look to the military. Remember that old army ad years ago? Be all that you can what? Be in the army. How in the world do you do that? How is that possible? What, What can we learn today from the life of a soldier that we can apply to our spiritual life, that we can apply to this idea of being the very best that you can be, giving God your very best, and daring to trust Him. So there are three things that I think that we can learn from giving our very best uh, to God that every soldier understands, and I think we can learn from. Number one, if you're taking notes, I must decide what I'd be willing to die for. I must decide what I'd die for. 
Now, as we talk about living your best life and giving God your very best, daring to believe, that sounds like a strange place to start, you know, deciding what you'd be willing to die for. But I'd argue that until you understand that, you're really not ready to live. Because soldiers understand that there are some things worth dying for. Freedom, family, faith. You know, there's some things that are, that are more valuable than your own life, and soldiers understand that. They live with that. Jesus understood that. In John 15, 13, he said this, Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. So here's Jesus, okay? He says that the greatest measure of love is actually the, the willingness to sacrifice your life for somebody else. And that's exactly what Jesus did for you. That's exactly what he did for you. The greatest expression of love is, is Jesus dying on the cross. And so what he said and what he, you know, what he showed us is that you measure love not by what you say, okay, not by what people will tell you, but by their willingness to sacrifice. And so the greater the sacrifice, the deeper the love. We learn that from soldiers. Number two, we learn that I must sacrifice my comfort. That's the second thing we learn from soldiers, that to be the best that I can be, you know, to give my very best, I've got to be willing to sacrifice my comfort. Soldiers do that all the time. Think about you know, all the comforts that soldiers are willing to give up for, to, to serve other people. You know, depending on where they're serving, they serve in the heat, they serve in the cold, they give up their free schedule, they're not free to do whatever they want to do. You know, if a commanding officer says, you do this, do that, guess what? They do it. They give up their freedom in order to preserve the freedom of other people. Soldiers give up you know, uh, worldly wealth. You know, nobody really gets wealthy becoming a soldier. I mean, they sacrifice a lot of things, their own comfort for the hardships that they choose to put up with. They sacrifice all of that for others. And so what I think the Apostle Paul is reminding us that, listen, if you want to be the very best you can be, if you want to, you know, dare to walk by faith and trust God with all that you have, that is a life principle that you've got to learn. In other words, you don't become great in any area of life without sacrifice. You know, it's not, oh, you, you become great by these five quick and easy steps. Like, it just doesn't work that way. You know, you don't become great by doing what's easy, uh, by doing what's comfortable or, or convenient. No. You become great by committing yourself to something bigger and greater than yourself. And then your willingness to sacrifice for that. Go back to that 2 Timothy 2.3, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So he's using this, this metaphor, comparing a soldier to, to following Jesus, this, this same analogy of the military. And he says, hey, just like a soldier puts up with suffering and hardship for the greater cause... If you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to be willing to do that, to suffer, to put up with hardships for the greater cause of Jesus Christ. So really the question for us today is, obviously, what's the hardship in your life that you have to put up with because you follow Jesus? I mean, what is following Jesus actually making difficult for you? Maybe it's criticism. 
You know, maybe, maybe you're made fun of for, for being a follower of Jesus, where you work, at your family, you know, at school. You know, any time you do what's right, by the way, it's never easy, is it? You know, if, if, do, if doing what was right was easy, everybody would do it. It's obviously much easier to do what's wrong. Think about it. It's harder to tell the truth. It's harder to forgive than to get even. It's harder to let go. Instead of taking revenge, it's harder to be kind. It's harder to be generous. It's harder to be unselfish. And so those are the realities of, you know, following Jesus. There's just some things that go along with, you know, being a follower of Christ. And it's not always easy. But, and I think this is what he's trying to tell us here, the path to, to greatness, you know, the path to, to being the best that you could possibly be, the path to really walking by faith and daring to believe is it comes with sacrifice. You know, Ephesians 5.2 puts it this way, live a life filled with love. And we like that. That sounds really good, doesn't it? Live a life filled with love. Following the example of who, though? Jesus Christ. He loved us, and what did he do? He offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. He's saying, hey, Coastal, if you want to be like Jesus, and that's the goal, right? You know, we're followers of Jesus. We're, we're to become like Him. So if you want to be like Jesus, you've got to learn sacrificial love. So the question is, do you want to be like Jesus? And if you do, who or what are you sacrificing your life for? You know, who or what are you putting up with hardships for besides yourself? Now, you know, a lot of people put up with hardships, you know, for themselves. I mean, think about it. In order to get ahead, in order to succeed. But think about it this way. Are you involving yourselves in things that are hard to do, that require effort and energy and a sacrifice for the benefit of other people? You know, are you losing sleep because you're helping and serving others? Are you sacrificing your money because you're helping other people? Are you giving up your time, your schedule, your weekend sometimes because you are helping and serving others? Are you willing to sacrifice your own comfort for the greater good of being like Jesus? Number three, the third thing I think we can learn from a soldier is that we've got to eliminate distractions. I must eliminate distractions if I want to be the very best that I can possibly be. Verse 4 said, soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. What in the world is he talking about there? Well, if there's one thing you know, a soldier in any time in history must have, it's, it's that freedom to respond whenever the commanding officer says, it's go time. I mean, you know, when, when, when the commanding officer says, go, nobody gets to say, no soldier says, well, you know, sorry, sir, but right now I'm busy. I'm, I, we're going to the ball game this weekend. I can't, I can't go. You know, I'm sorry, uh, sir, you know, I can't serve right now because we're, we're headed to the beach that day. No, I, you know, that'd be crazy, right? Soldiers eliminate distractions because they've got to be ready at a moment's notice to do whatever their commanding officer tells them to do. Now think about this. 
how much of your time, how much of your energy, how much of your money is being spent on things that aren't going to matter five years from now, much less for all eternity. See, if you want to be great, you know, if you want to be the very best you can for God, you've got to start investing more of your time, your money, your energy on things that are going to last forever. Not things that really don't matter. And so we want to challenge you to think about that. You know, think about it this week. What is it in your life that you could, that you could give up, that you could eliminate in order to make more time for things that really matter? And a lot of times it's not a matter of, you know, good or bad. It's, you know, good and best. You know, and right now, by the way, we're all fasting, right? Many of you are, 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 have eliminated something, have given up something, so, you know, tie that in. Think about it. What could I give in? What could I give up, eliminate, in order that I could spend more time with things that really matter? And what is that? Like, like loving people and serving people. Like relationships, like, like worship, like devotion, like quality time with God. You know, these are the things I think Paul is trying to tell us that we can, we can learn from a soldier. Hey, be clear in your mind what you're willing to die for. Sacrifice, be willing to sacrifice your comfort and at times eliminate the distractions. Now, we, don't, we don't do this very often, but since we're talking about soldiers this morning, I, I want to I do this just for a moment. If you currently serve or have served in the past in the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marines, the Coast Guard, or in any of the reserves, would you please stand up? Would you stand up right now? All of our military, please stand up. Hey, let's give these guys. Thank you. Thank you. Just want to thank you guys for your, uh, the men and women here in our church, for your sacrificial service. Uh, there are lots of things that we can learn. Uh, so thank you. Now, secondly, Paul moves on to uh, athletics, sports, and uh, often the Bible compares our life to a race. And so in many ways, my job as a pastor is to help you, you know, make it across the finish line. I don't want, I want, I don't want anybody here to get sidelined or sidetracked. You know, I want you to make it to the end. I want you to run the race with perseverance, and I want you to win the prize. In fact, here's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 27. It says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So, run to win. Run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. In other words, I'm not just wasting my time. I'm not just air guitaring it through life, you know. I, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what, I sh what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Now, just like we can learn several things from uh, a soldier, he says an athlete has several things to teach us as well. So, to win the prize, number one, I must intend to win. I must intend to win. If I'm going to win in life, 
It's got to be intentional. You know, in other words, it's not going to happen by accident. It's not going to happen in life without some great effort. It's not going to happen unless I have a goal. You don't become great at anything in life, you know, by accident. You don't drift into greatness. You don't drift into being a, a great parent or, you know, having, you know, your finances in order, being, you know, in, in your career. So let me, ask, let me ask you a question. Think about it this way. Is there a difference between, you know, a professional athlete and a casual athlete? You know, think, a, a professional, you know, golfer and a casual golfer. Absolutely. You know, the committed, you know, professional golfer, man, it's serious business, right? They take everything about it serious. They're playing to win. Now, if you're just a casual golfer, you're just hitting the ball around, right? I mean, you're having fun. You're enjoying the scenery. The difference is the degree of seriousness. So, how serious are you about walking by faith? How serious are, are we about following Jesus and, and being the very best we can to the glory of God? I mean, the Bible says, run your race to win. You should be, we should be living our lives in such a way that we're, we're running to win, and that only happens with intentionality. Now, the sad truth is, some of you listening to me right now, here in this room, or watching online, you're never going to be great. That's the hard truth. You're never going to be the person that God intended you to be. You're never going to be the, the best man, the best woman that you could be. Now, that sounds awful. sounds hard, right? Why? Because you never intended to be. You know, you, you're just not willing to pay the price. There, there, there's no effort. You know, there's no intentionality. You, you don't want it bad enough. You're just drifting to be the very best that you can be for God. First of all, you've got to do it intentionally. You've got to make that choice. You know what? Man, I'm going after this. And that leads us to number two. The second thing we can learn from an athlete, I must discipline myself. I must discipline myself. Listen, that's what athletes do, right? Especially professional athletes, serious athletes. And no athlete becomes a professional without discipline, without training. You don't become great by doing whatever it is you feel. You don't become great just by, you know, living by your moods. There's no shortcut, no shortcuts to growth, is there? There, there, there are no shut shortcuts to, to greatness. There's no shortcut to financial freedom. There's no shortcut to, you know, to health. There's not. We want there to be. We want the, the winning lottery ticket. We want to lose, you know, 50 pounds in seven days. You know, we want all that. It's just not reality. 1 Corinthians 9, 25 and 27 says it this way. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade, fade away. But we, as believers, we do it for an eternal prize. But just like an athlete, he says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Now, we all know the stories of, you know, what great uh, Olympic athletes have given up and what they've sacrificed in order to, you know, win the gold medal. I mean, these, these athletes put their entire lives on hold, and this passage reminds us that as great as that is, you know, as awesome as it might be to, to win that prize, to win that medal, you know, if you're in upward basketball, to win that participation award, you know, or whatever, you know, no matter how great it is, you know, that prize, he says, 
it's not going to last. It's never going to last. But you and I, as believers, man, we run our race for something that's going to last forever. So, again, what are some things in your life that you could eliminate or do without so that you could spend more time with God? So that you could give more to God, so that you could serve more, so that you could be more of what God wants you to be. What am I willing to do without in order to be the very best? Am I willing to sacrifice money, comfort, popularity? Somebody once said this, the pain of regret is always greater than the pain of discipline. That's profound. The pain of regret is always greater than the pain of discipline. You know, the hard work, the effort, the discipline that it takes, you know, to run your race with excellence before God. You know, the, 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 the effort and discipline it might take to, you know, to be the best that you could be wherever you work, you know, as a student, in your finances, in your marriage. He says all of that is nothing compared to the pain of regret. You know, how would your life be better if you were just a little bit more disciplined early on in your life? You ever think about that? You know, what are some things that you might be enjoying today if you had been a little bit more disciplined earlier in life? What do you wish you were more disciplined about? You know what my encouragement is to you today? Start now. Start today. Man, make the rest of your life the best of your life. You say, well, Pastor Chris, you know, I've tried that for a while. You know, I'll work really hard at, you know, this or that, and, and then I give up. You know what I think? I think it's probably because you're depending on your own power, not God's power. Let me let you in on a little secret. Willpower does not work. I'll just be honest with you, it doesn't. It doesn't work. You know, it, it might work for a period of time. You know, maybe about 90 days, about three months. I mean, you can, you can change almost anything in your life for about three months. And that's why about 100% of New Year's resolutions are typically over by March. Right? Because you can force yourself to do anything for about 90 days. And then left to ourselves, we give up. And that, that really leads me to this next thing. You see, you don't need willpower. We need God's power. So how do you get that? Well, that leads me to the third thing we learned from an athlete, to be the very best that we can be for God, to win the prize, to dare to believe. You've got to focus on the reward. You focus on the reward. You see, the secret to personal discipline, I think, is actually found right here in this passage. He says, but we as believers, we do it for an eternal prize. So think about it like this, okay? How in the world was Jesus able to endure the cross? I mean, how was Jesus able to put up with all the beating, the suffering, the punishment, the torture, all of the evil and terrible things that they did to him before he even went to the cross and then the crucifixion itself? 
I mean, how did he put up with all that? The Bible actually says that he looked beyond all of that pain to the reward that he was going to receive, to the prize, to the payoff. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 3. And let us run, here it is again, with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, whom our faith depends from start to finish. Listen to this. He was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy he knew would be his afterward. Now he is seated in the place of highest honor beside God's throne in heaven. Think about all he endured when sinful people did such terrible things to him so that you don't become weary and give up. Again, it says he was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy he knew would be his afterwards. Listen, I think you and I can handle enormous amounts of pain and suffering and discipline in our lives if, if there is a bigger and better purpose for it. If there's going to be a payoff at the end. A reward, a prize. In other words, when you forget the purpose and the payoff, that's typically when you give up. And, that, and that's why Paul says to run, you know, to win in your life and to keep your eye on the prize. You see, listen to this. You can handle any what in life, whatever that is, any what in life, if the why is big enough. Did you hear that? You can handle any what in life if the why is big enough. Whatever that what is. I mean, you're trying to lose weight. You're trying to get healthy. You're trying to get out of debt. You can do it. You can discipline yourself spiritually. You can read the word. You can tithe. You can do those things if if you understand the why. So the question for all of us today is this. As a believer in Jesus, as we are all running our race, what is your why? What's your why? What's the purpose? What's the reason? Is there a bigger call in your life than, than you know, what you're doing, why you're doing it? Let me ask you, can you imagine yourself in heaven one day after it's all said and done? No more tears. No more pain. Just being in the very physical presence of Jesus and receiving eternal rewards from God because of how you served him. Can you imagine one day seeing Jesus face to face and hearing him say, looking you in the eyes and saying, well done good and faithful servant. Man, you let that motivate you. You see, what's your why? So we can learn from a soldier, we can learn from an athlete, and then finally he says we can learn from a farmer. It's a long passage, but I want to read this to you today and talk about it. 2 Corinthians 9, 6-13. Listen to this. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. 
You must each make up your own mind as to how much you should give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves the person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, godly people give generously to the poor. Their their good deeds will never be forgotten. For God is the one who gives seed to the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will give you many opportunities to to do good. And he will produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched so that you can give even more generously. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will break out in thanksgiving to God. You will be glorifying God through your generous gifts, for your generosity to them will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. Now, we could spend all day on this, but I just want to very quickly summarize what I think he's saying here. Basically, he's saying that your life on earth is kind of like planting a garden. That's what he's saying. He's saying that while you're here on earth, and you know, you're going to be here 60, 70, 80, maybe 90 years or more, while you're here on this earth for however long, you basically are planting a garden. And he says, what you sow on earth, what you plant on earth, you will reap in heaven. What you plant on earth will be the fruit that you get to enjoy for all eternity in heaven. So here's the final lesson. Write this down. To reap a great harvest, I must plant generously in faith. I must plant generously in faith. Very simply, if you plant a lot of seeds generously here, you are going to enjoy a lot of fruit there in heaven. But conversely, he says, if you, are, if you plant sparingly here, if you are selfish, if you are a miser, if you hold back and you don't give it away here on this earth, he says you are not going to have much to enjoy in heaven. Anytime you plant a seed of generosity, and by the way, I'm not just talking about money. I don't think that's all he's talking about here. I think he's talking about what you give of your life away. Anytime you do that, you are doing exactly what Jesus called when he said you are storing up treasure in heaven. In other words, when you help somebody else, when you are unselfish, when you show up here early and serve, when you're over in you know, children's ministry, coastal kids and holding a baby, when you show up on Saturday morning and serve our community through Saturday Serve, when you're generous with your time, when you're generous with your money, when you're generous with your talent and your, your things and your stuff, and you use all of it for the benefit of other people, he says you're planting seeds. You're you're storing up treasure for yourself in heaven. So let me end with this promise of Jesus from Luke 6, 38. He said this, Jesus, if you give, you will receive. Listen to this. Your gift will return to you in full measure, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more and running over. Whatever measure you use in giving, large or small, It it will be used to measure what is given back to you. Wow. What is Jesus saying here? He is saying the way you give to others is the way God is going to give to you. It just doesn't get any simpler than that. 
The way you give to others is the way God is going to give to you. So, I would highly recommend you start being generous in planting seeds in this life so that you will be harvesting in the next. Listen, that's the promise of God. That's Jesus talking. You either believe it or you don't. But if you don't believe it, and you don't live like this is true, let me ask you a question. Why in the world do you believe that Jesus will save you and take you to heaven? Guess what? It's the same Jesus who said both. I mean, why in the world do people trust God with their salvation, but you don't trust God enough to tithe? I mean, why do people, you know, trust God with taking them to heaven one day, but they don't believe that God can, you know, arrange their finances in such a way that makes sense? They don't trust God with their stuff, their talents, their home, their car, their resources, your time. I'm telling you something, Coastal, it doesn't make sense. The same Jesus said both. So, when we look at these three people here, these three illustrations, a soldier, an athlete, a farmer, they all have something in common. To be successful, to win the race, to be effective. They're willing to give up something or let go of things in order to focus on or have more time for the things that really matter in life. So what is it? What is it for you that maybe God is, is you know, tugging at your heart to let go of in order that you might be more generous so that you could serve, so that you could be unselfish, you know, so that you could really be all that God wants you to be. You know, the fact is, there's a lot of things in this life that we can probably do without, and we really wouldn't miss them, not, not at all. But there's one thing you cannot do without, and you've got to have this one. What you cannot do without is Jesus. If you're going to grow and become the man that God wants you to be, if you're going to grow and become the woman that God wants you to be, you've got to have a deep daily connection with Jesus. Because, you know, these things we just talked about, these seven things, you know, from the soldier, the athlete, and the farmer, you can't do them on your own. I mean, you'll do them for a little while, and then you're going to get frustrated and, and give up. You need God's power. You've got to get plugged into Him. And the way you get, get plugged into God's power is through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. That's what this passage earlier said. That's where it starts, and that's where it ends. See, the question is, have you placed your faith in Christ? By the way, the, all these things that I'm talking about here, you know, eliminate the distractions, all these examples from the, you know, the farmer and the athlete and the soldier, that none of these things earn you salvation. I'm not talking about doing any of these things to work for your salvation. That's already been accomplished through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. I'm talking about 
you know, doing these things because you are saved. Because he has set you free. Because he does love you. And as a result, man, you want to serve and love a God like that and be the very best you can be. But it starts with faith. It starts in receiving that gift from him. So what about you? Are you here today? Because if you're here today and you're thinking that you're just going to you know, work really hard and do all these things I'm talking about, but you haven't taken care of this yet, then you're getting it in reverse. And you know, all that's going to lead to is just religion. It's just you thinking that you can be you know, a better person in and of yourself and you, know, you can do these good things to appease an angry God. No, that's not it. Man, I want to I wanna love God. I want to do the very best I can do. I want to be the very best I can for Him because He does love me. Because He has saved me. And because I put my faith in Jesus and I, I still make mistakes and I still veer off the path. But I am becoming. I am becoming more and more like Jesus already sees me. He sees me forgiven. Perfect complete, not because of me, but because of him. You can have that today. Bow your heads and pray with me. Listen, if you're here today and you are ready to give your very best to God, with every head bowed and every eye closed, just pray something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I have to admit that I have not always used my time and my life, my energy, my money on things that really matter, on things that are going to last. I want to change that. I want to run my race to win. I want to win the prize. I want to reap a great harvest. I want to please my commanding officer, you. And Lord, if that means sacrifice, so be it. If that means eliminate distractions, so be it. I want to win. I want the rest of my life to be the best of my life. And God, I know I can't change that on my own. I don't have enough willpower in and of myself. I need your power, God, to discipline myself, to stay focused on the reward. And so I'm asking you to teach me to, to plant generously so I can harvest abundantly in the next life. God, help me to live life the way you intended me to live in light of eternity. And if you are here today and you have never invited Jesus Christ into your life, pray this simple prayer. Dear Jesus, come into my life and save me right now. I want to know you. I want to trust you. I want to learn to love you more and more. And today, I give myself completely to you. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And today, I put my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ. In his name I pray. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.